Hello, and welcome to HR Bytes, a podcast and video series to bring you stories of HR professionals who bring a think globally and act locally digital HR agenda to their work. Everyday people who are driving digital transformations in their organizations, data-driven and future-fit digital HR leaders. Our guest today is Renuka Ayer. Welcome to the show, Renuka. So happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. So Renuka, congratulations on your new role at um, the Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturers of America. I believe it's called Pharma. Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, your new role and how you're liking it so far? I believe you're in the honeymoon phase of uh, any role in a company. You're absolutely right. Yes, I just started with Pharma about uh, three weeks ago. Actually, this is my fourth week, um, and that would be the first month of the first 100 days, as, as uh, you generally would think about it. Uh, it's a great organization. Uh, there's so much to be said about the pharmaceutical industry, and oftentimes what we see from the outside is not everything that meets the eye on the inside. Um, health concerns have been a, a prime topic of importance mm -hmm. for the HR function itself since the pandemic. And so when the opportunity at Pharma came to my doorstep, I thought this was a way to really understand what is going on. How do you know? How do we think about innovation in in um, medicine, and how do we ensure that uh, we create an environment in which access to health and uh, is available to all? Uh, so, bringing the DEI lens to health uh, was also another reason for me to to step into this industry and and to join Pharma. And uh, yes, so far I've been loving every moment. Uh, I'm like a kid in a candy shop. Everything you see is is really cool and innovative, and it's the first time I'm learning about pharmacy benefit managers, for example, uh, to whom more than 50% of the cost we pay for drugs in the United States, that's where it goes. So it's not really going to the manufacturers itself. So learning about these things are, are uh, very, very interesting, and I look forward to continued learning and, and impacting the organization. Wonderful. Well, you know, you've hit upon the very topic that all of our HR colleagues are grappling with today, and that of onboarding and retaining employees in this, uh, you know, era of workplace talent ghosting us at every given moment. Um, and so from your own experience, I'm sure there's so many lessons that you can take away for your organization and as well as for the larger audience that is listening in today. As you know, HR leaders have been, you know, at the front and center of all of this for the past couple of years. And like you mentioned, wellness and health is so, uh, you know, one of the biggest topics of discussion at any um, HR leaders tables today. How do you think, in your opinion, technology challenges for HR leaders are shaping up in 2023 and beyond when it comes to, you know, enforcing as well as uh, fostering a digital mindset, because I, I use the word enforcing because it is highly imperative, in my opinion, that we do leverage technology to augment our human resources work in any organization today. And so I just want to, you know, start off with that question and then, of course, um, get your insights on how you're doing it within your organization and how, to, how you plan to at this new organization. Sure. 
So I think the first challenge is uh, that there are multiple generations in the workforce, right? And so the more newer generations, the Gen Zs, the millennials are more used to using technology simply because that's how they grew up, right? They grew up with technology by the side versus the earlier generations, not so much. Uh, back in the day, I still remember doing inter-office memorandums, of, you know, inter-office memos either in typed up or uh, printed out on a dot matrix printer. Um, and these days, you know, nobody even knows what dot matrix printer is. I can hear the sound of that printer as you speak. Exactly. <laughs> it had a yeah. distinct sound. <laughs> yes. And you would run it over, you would you'd print it out, you'd put your signature on it, and then you would run it over to another department uh, so they can consume the information. So I think that has changed. And uh, you're seeing the younger generation really adapt um, to digital. I think there is a push for the older generations to also adapt. And I think what is really cool about, um, about the, the digital space in HR is that there are some really new technologies, apps uh, for doing things. You know, for example, if you wanna, if you want to take a look at your pay stub, gone are the days where you have to write to your HR department and request a pay stub, and then it uh, either comes, you know, by a printed copy in, in the mail. Um, you could just look at your phone and look at the app and, and get your pay stub, for example. So there's been so much innovation in the digital space uh, that we could certainly leverage. Now, you know, you asked me about challenges, and I'd say there are three challenges. One, uh, our systems are disjoint, right? So there are a lot of systems, and each, uh, each organization, each um, software provider is specializing in certain areas. Uh, however, what's really not there, or something that I find really hard to, um, to navigate, is the disjoint, disjointed nature of these systems. So if there was a way to kind of bring it all together, then that would be great. Uh, the second channel, challenge that I could think about is making these systems people-centered. I mean, you must have heard of the terms, you know, human-centered design. So how do we make sure that we incorporate some of the human-centered design in the, in the making of the systems or the software product itself? So you're keeping in mind the needs of the, of the employees, the managers, the leaders, and then designing the system, designing the software um, uh, through which the information can flow in a manner that it's readily available. Um, you know, there's also, you know, each organization has their own language and what they call certain things, right? So for, for example, in some organizations, you would say base salary. In other organizations, you would use the word compensation. In another organization, you could use the word annual salary, right? So all of these things may mean the same thing, but each organization has its own language. And I think there is a challenge that the software systems don't allow us to speak that language. And so, you know, oftentimes you'd have to say, yeah, when you want to look at your annual salary, look at the base salary field. I mean, why couldn't you just convert it to annual salary if that's what the, the, the people are used to, right? So, so thinking like that and thinking, thinking human-centered design, incorporating some of that, I think, would be the second challenge. And then the third and the final, and I'm going to shut up in just a bit, is implementation. Um, you know, I've, I've worked in organizations, I've been in the HR function for over 30 years now. And uh, I think the biggest challenge that most HR teams are faced with is that we're not IT nerds. Uh, we are human resources professionals, right? So there is a certain necessity for us to learn the IT space. 
but even more to be able to implement everything we, um, you know, we pay for. And so oftentimes when the implementation is not done correctly, I think, you know, things fail. Uh, we've, we've used systems, not really used all the features in the systems. That's another piece that I think is, um, is such a shame that uh, there's so much money is invested in, in technology, but then when it's not used, um, you don't really gain the benefits of it. Wonderful. And those three challenges, I think I'm sure everyone is facing them today. And I'm sure they resonate with a lot of our audience today as well. And that's a great segue into the second um, piece I wanted to talk to you about today, where, you know, we've had so much technology thrown at us in the HR function for the past couple of years, especially since 2020. And how do you think HR teams should be handling this mindset of buying every shiny new object in the HR tech space? As you mentioned, you know, we have so much disjointed technology because of that. How do you think we can overcome this mindset of buying every shiny new object? And what is one takeaway from your experience that you'd like to share when it comes to that? I think that's a great question. You know, it's about uh, the shiny objects are needed when they are needed, you know, when the organization is ready for it. Oftentimes when organizations are not ready, there is no demand for the next new thing in the HR world. I think the first thing that we need to do, and if the HR team believes it is the right thing to do, then I think what needs to happen first is to create that demand internally, right? So if you if you if you invest in these shiny new apps and new, um, you know, different types of things that are out there in the market without really having a demand, you may, it may be a sunk cost, like you may be investing in it, but it's, you're not really going to get anything out of it. Um, and so, you know, staff complaints will continue to be there. Uh, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to get any, any, um, any substantive data or information or reports from the investments you make. And, you want to be able to, you know, do that. I mean, when you're investing in technology, you want to be able to uh, create trends for leaders so they can think about uh, what they should be doing in their business next. I mean, investing in these shiny technology, HR and specifically talent technology uh, parts have to have to serve a bigger purpose, which is the purpose of the organization. And when that doesn't really happen. I don't think it might be the best investment to make. You could you could take those dollars and invest in elsewhere, you know, uh, maybe employee benefits or something like that. So really thinking about who is HR doing the work for and not really doing HR work for HR's sake, but doing HR work uh, to serve the needs of the organization and to serve the people. Um, I think, with the, you know, keeping that front and center is, is very, very important. So keeping that perspective in mind, um, what do you think, um, you know, your role and your networks and your connections within the organization, your social capital, so to speak, um, has played um, in generating, incubating and scaling innovation, not just in your HR function, but throughout your organization? Yeah, I think that's a great question. You know, I think HR, uh, we have to or at least this is what I've done, um, do a lot of listening, right? Listening and connecting the dots and being curious about connecting the dots in a way that um, that you don't really hesitate to do, right? Like take the risk um, asking those questions and asking, asking one department questions about the work that you're hearing in the other department. 
uh, oftentimes when people are working within the organization, they're they're sort of working on in their own silos simply because you know every Monday morning there's a huge task list that you just keep going doing week after week after week, and it's it's really hard for our teams to look up and be able to take the top of the T perspective. And HR has that, you know, in my in my capacity. Um, as I as I work alongside the executive team or the management committees or uh, just speaking with different departments, learning and appreciating the amount of work that's the depth of work that's there, but at the same time as being curious about how all of these things connect for the larger uh, good of the organization, I think is important. So to me, those would be the threes: the being curious, um, not afraid to ask, connect, you know, not afraid to connect. So being curious, connections, and and also um, you know, lifting up and communicating in a manner that uh, that it's uh, you know. So I, I read somewhere you want to communicate like you're uh, you're communicating like you're on a trampoline. So you ask a question, get the response. Ask the question, get the response. So you know, being in that continuous communication, I think, would also be uh, a catalyst for um, for this. Wonderful analogy. I love trampolines. <laughs> So um, what could be some barriers, you think, um, for a successful HR tech implementation? You know, again, we know there's a lot of disjointed stuff in our function at the present time. And at the same time, we're trying to get in new tech to solve a lot of the, you know, immediate needs of our workforce. How do you think HR executives should and can test if a technology is truly going to serve uh, the needs that it says it's going to serve is truly based on artificial intelligence, machine learning, and all the newfangled tech that is out there. Uh, what is your, um, you know, experience when it comes to some of the barriers for a successful t- tech in- in implementation? Um, I could think of it as two in two buckets. One, of course, is internal, right? And I talked a little bit about it. If the organization is not ready for it, then you know it's a it's quite a shame investing the money if the organization is not ready. And I think a lot of work needs to be done internally and there has to be executive buy-in, right? From the top, you want to know why you're doing what you're doing. So if HR is going, you know, if, if we are by, by ourselves, if we are trying to do the implementation, that often fails. So making sure that there is good partnership, for example, with your, uh, with the IT team or making sure there's good partnership with the executive team, um, Making sure that they understand what are the benefits, what kind of reports you will get from from these from the new implementation. I think is those are all things that are very very important. So the internal piece, I cannot tell you that is the most important piece. The external, of course, making sure that uh, you have um, you have done the the amount of due diligence that's necessary in the selection process. So, for example, being extremely clear about what is it that you're looking for. And oftentimes, you know, you, you just, again, I think you talked about the shiny object. Uh, sometimes people just think, hey, this, this is the talk of the town and let's go invest in it without really asking themselves, um, you know, without really knowing what the system can do. So being very clear about what the system can do and that is what you want is one. Uh, second, I think making sure that there is a good reference. Now, you, you know, somebody who has tested the system can talk to it. And making sure that you spend the time to um, to check your references, to to think about, you know, to hear stories about implementation in other organizations can also be helpful. And then post implementation, making sure that there is a 
there's a team externally that you could go to when you have trouble. You know, a lot of lot of software organizations are now having these support hubs. So making sure that you are part of the support hub and asking questions and and finding tricks and you know oftentimes when you implement systems you want to know what are the tricks to get the get to the results that you want. So making sure that's there and then finally making sure that the system also provides a good customer support um, after the sale is done. So those would be the few that come to mind. Wonderful, and and you know. When we um, think about the tech that's out there, we now have a very disparate workforce as well. You know, there is a lot of remote um, work that's happening, hybrid work that's happening, and in-office work that's happening all at the same time, asynchronously, but happening. Um, How do you think we in human resources can leverage data and metrics in this new, um, you know, workplace that we've all been kind of thrown into and and use data and metrics to handle this increase in remote and hybrid work? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, data by itself, a piece of data is just that, right? It's a piece of data. But to be able to take that information from data to insights is is something that I think is, um, uh, you know, HR people should learn to do it. And the way to do that is to make sure that you're you're uh, monitoring the data over time. Uh, so thinking about what's happening to the data is it trending up, trending down? Is it is it staying staying? So are there any 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 relationships you can um, you can find? Uh, you know, are there is there a cause and effect, for example, or um, are there you know in terms of uh, engagement, staff engagement? Are you able to pull out numbers? Do they do they then connect to retention or connect to turnover. Those are the types of things that you want to think about. And then once you've analyzed the data, making sure that you convert it to insights and make sure that um, you take those insights and be curious about them and talk to people about them, right? This is what this is what our data is telling us. Is this what you're finding in your experience? Because managers will experience their staff a certain way and they can talk about their experience. So I think it's not just about uh, looking at the data, it's about converting the data into insights and then curiously probing if those insights are relevant in the experiences of people that work with us. Um, and that is when I think you create that common language to say, hey, if this is the experience and if this is not the experience we need, then what other systems or what other processes can we put in place uh, to alter the experience? So at the end of the day, it's about the it's about the the people experience, isn't it? So whether you're working virtually or not, um, making sure that you collect those insights and be curious about them is is um, can help you bring everybody together and and have them sing out of the same song sheet for for lack of another analogy. Uh huh. Absolutely. So on that note, what's one piece of advice you have for HR professionals who are looking to adopt or learn new technology, especially um, when it comes to adopting new technology like, you know, Web3 or um, artificial intelligence, which are really newfangled uh, tech terms for a lot of our HR colleagues? Yeah, I just say don't be afraid, right? Um, it's, it's sometimes... You think about, you know, for example, uh, where I come from, um, math is something that is, uh, that's, uh, you know, quite a scare. Um, you know, people are not very comfortable that, uh, um, that they do great in math, right? And so 
uh, maths and science for that for that matter. Uh, however, not being afraid and simply engaging in it, I'd I'd recommend going to seminars, reading about these newer technologies, and you know thinking about it just like a a, a cell phone, right? Who knew, you know, back in the day when I was growing up, there were no cell phones. Uh, we would have those physical phones, you know, that you have to dial in and, and run and go to a certain spot in the home to be able to even pick up the phone and talk. Um, and, uh, you know, those days are gone and we've adapted to newer technologies. So, you know, not being afraid of these newer technologies and not being afraid of machine learning, being curious about how does this machine learn? What is really happening? And what's the, what's, how does, how do these algorithms work? And learning about the workflow will help, um, will help alleviate some of that fear and also put you in the driver's seat to have those conversations with your leaders. So I'd say, you know, go to all the conferences, read up about it um, and watch this, watch the space. You know, there's, there are a lot of um, like, for example, Sherm is one area that you could, you could uh, partner with and you can look at the materials that are coming out from Sherm or, um, you know, other such uh, organizations. Hacking HR is another, there's a, there's a whole, um, slew of, of conversations around technology in that spot. So I'd say, you know, go to those places, learn up about machine learning, artificial intelligence. This is the order of the day. And so you don't want to miss out on the boat. Um, so, you know, just uh, just immerse yourself in it and then yeah, you'll see where you get. Wonderful. So that brings us to the funner part of today's conversation, which is our question connection uh, round, where I ask you a question and you give me an answer out of your hat, <laughs> or so to speak, out of your brain. <laughs> so let's get started. Um, who was one person you've gained in your network in the last year or so within the HR tech space that you think more people should know about? You know, that's a great question. Of course, uh, I'm speaking with you, so I can say you. I know you were doing you. quite a lot of work in, in uh, you know, in your own startup, HR Geckos. And um, um, so I've known you. I think people should know you and should uh, learn about the work you're, you're doing. You're uh, challenging some um, very, um, what may I say, well-established um, people out there whose, uh, whose systems are are there to serve, but I think you know, um, as a woman and entrepreneur, I I really welcome the opportunity to have known you, and uh, I hope that others get to know you and your work as well. Well, thank you so much. That makes me feel wonderful. Thank you. Happy Monday. <laughs> um, what's uh, What's one favorite HR book uh, that you'd recommend, or an HR podcast that you'd recommend to our audience when it comes to learning? about all of this new tech out there? Um, well, I don't know if I could recommend something about tech itself. I've not um, read a book about HR tech itself. So if you have any recommendations, I'll take them. But more generally about HR, uh, the book that I quite enjoyed um, is Nine Lies About Work um, by, by um, um, uh, Marcus, how can I forget his name? Marcus Buckingham, Buckingham. and Ashley, yes, and Ashley Goodall. Uh, their book, I would certainly encourage people to read it. And there, there are a bunch of podcasts uh, on the book as well, so certainly that. And then help, once you've read that book, you get a you get a sense for how to think about data, right? And how do you think about those insights we talked about? Um, and and then you'll be able to get some ideas for what questions to ask in the digital space. 
to be able to to be able to connect those two dots. So nine lies about work is my is my new favorite. Wonderful. I met Marcus at the 2019 HR Tech Conference in Vegas, and he he gave it gave us all his autographed uh, books, you know, uh, at no cost <laughs> to all the attendees. So I have that on my I think in my shelf in the back here. Um, yes. What's your favorite LinkedIn learning or e-learning webinar um, series that you probably have? either listen to or or watched uh, for the HR tech space or HR in general? Again, I think I'll tell you HR in general, certainly the, the series on DEI have been extremely helpful. Um, you know, each of us come with a certain perspective and there's just one perspective because it's one life that we live. And, uh, you know, making ourselves more open is one way of making ourselves more open is to listen to other perspectives, right? And so the uh, the topics around DEI have been extremely helpful to me in expanding my own view of the world and learning about um, the circle of socialization um, and things like that. That has been extremely helpful. Wonderful. And when it comes to giving back to the HR community, you are a big, big giver. I mean, I've tapped into your giving many, many times over the past I think five years that I've known you now. How do you enjoy giving back to the HR community in gen in general and specifically to the HR tech community and the other communities that you're part of? Well, um, well, thank you first of all for saying that. Uh, certainly, you know, engaging in conversations outside of work in the in the community at large. Uh, help me do two things one if you know those questions that you ask help me help me think about things differently right i mean not gen i mean in your, in your day-to-day work you don't really think about these things only when someone asks you a question like this it helps so participating in these these types of um of conversations and um engaging in them is not just a way of giving back but also a way of of reflection for myself uh, so that's been helpful but most importantly what I really enjoy is uh, mentoring younger people or, or mentoring others who are new to the profession or who are veterans in the pr- profession, but are, you know, are faced with a very, you know, a tricky challenge or something like that. Um, so those conversations sometimes are extremely specific. And then you're, you're trying to pick that puzzle apart and trying to put it back. And so that's another way that I've been trying to give back. I, I keep my doors open. Um, you know, I tell people if they need to contact me over the weekend, I'm available for a chat. Uh, if there are tricky situations that they're working on and they just need a, a sounding board or some, some different ideas, I think all of us come at it differently and we all have different experiences. Um, so those that would be the other way that I've um, tried to stay engaged uh, externally. And when you say you're available on the weekend, I know you are because I have tapped into that time over the weekend with you many times as well. So audience do take her up on that. She she really means that. <laughs> so if Absolutely. our audience would like to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Is LinkedIn um, something that you use to connect with folks that you, um, you know, welcome into your network? Or is there another way to connect with you? Yes, LinkedIn certainly is the easiest way for, for, for me to connect with people. Um, I log into LinkedIn very often and uh, I pick up the, the LinkedIn messages and that's how, that's one way to connect. Um, and then of course I will also 
make sure that my my contact information is is left with you. So if if anybody contacts you, uh, happy, please pass it on, and uh, happy to connect with them uh, in that manner as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you again, Renuka. It's always a pleasure to learn from you and, you know, glean all these insights that you are always so willing to share. And audience, you know, like Renuka said, please do tap into her brain. It's it's a really, really massive <laughs> enterprise there. And she's got really great insights to share with you. Um, and, you know, at any given time, if there is anything you want to talk about in the HR space or HR tech space, we're always here at HR Bytes to share the knowledge that we are, uh, you know, learning through the communities that we are part of, a part of. And uh, we always wish you all the very best in all your HR tech adventures. And if you'd like to share uh, one of your adventures, please feel free to connect with us here. Um, I'm happy to have you as a guest on our show as well. So thank you again, Renuka. Very nice to see you today and take care. Thank you, Jay. It was wonderful talking to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.